Hey, welcome to In The Shift, a podcast for when life and faith go off script. My name is Michael Frost. Welcome in, episode 83, 83 of In The Shift. Glad to have you along and today we are talking about experiencing God or not. Uh, that is kind of the that's the vibe of uh, this conversation, and this conversation really, I think, is the beginning of a series of conversations that we're going to circle around this idea. Because one of the things that's come up a lot, in particular, in the last eighteen months, but I would say over the last ten to fifteen years, really, of, of my own journey in life of of evolution, of deconstruction, of reconstruction or not, uh, you know, all of those things that, that many of us have been through or are in the midst of or are going through or trying to figure out um, and put that in conversation with maybe coercive church environments where our experiences of the divine have also been connected to our experiences of pressure or trauma or of not being heard or of not being able to acknowledge our own bodies or what we're feeling or thinking or processing or questioning. Uh, and so... This kind of idea has come up a lot in the conversations and the feedback that we've had. Uh, it's it's something we've sort of circled around and made note of and referenced to, but haven't tackled head on necessarily. So we're going to be doing that for the next little while. And we're going to be talking about this whole idea, this whole notion that that is threaded through in different ways, the Christian tradition, and in fact, many religious traditions, right? Which is this idea that there is some kind of divine being or reality, whatever language we give to that, that in some ways can be known, felt, experienced, sensed. And there are complicated, intersecting things going on in that conversation. And and in the Christian tradition, you know, I came come from a kind of Pentecostal charismatic background in my life um, and a big part of that kind of spirituality was not just that that the divine was someone or something to be sensed or experienced but that there were particular kind of experiences that one was supposed to have and that there was a desire to try and have those kinds of experiences uh, an expectation that those experiences should be had uh, even if it wasn't necessarily formularized all the time there was certainly a an effort a great deal of energy spent in the spirituality of those spaces, trying to generate the kind of experience of God that we desired so that we could have closeness with God, so that we could make an impact in the world, so that we could um, call people into a space in which they would have some kind of transformative encounter that would change their lives forever, uh, you know, uh, and then turn up again and, and have another experience that would change their lives forever just a few days later. Uh, you know, there are kind of all of these things circling around in, in that kind of space. And we want to be able to talk about that because it's also the case that for many people that has become a site of muddled, muddled, maybe confused or just doubtful questions. You know, maybe it's that I've got had good experiences, but I don't anymore have those same experiences and I don't know why or whether that's a good thing or not. Maybe it's that I had experiences that felt good at the time and now I'm not quite so sure about them and I don't know what to do with them. Or maybe it's I had experiences that were a mixture of good and also of of bad and harmful or coercive or pressure or manipulation. Uh, maybe it's that I just had negative forms of this thrust upon me. So look, there's, there's lots going on. We want to try and dive into that. And today, really, I am joined by Shane Meyer-Holt uh, and we talk all about this. We talk a bit about our own experience. There's a bit of feedback from some uh, In The Shift listeners who were kind enough to, to share a couple of minutes of their voice for our conversation today. 
And and really what we're trying to do here, at least in this introductory conversation, is to wrestle with, kind of name the issues, name the questions, name what is present here, uh, and, and start to navigate some of that and hopefully give a sense of then what needs to be talked about going forward. So that's what we're trying to do. It's going to be, I think, a good time. And in many respects, you know, it, as I'll, I think you'll you'll hear in the conversation I have with Shane, uh, this spins out of, uh, or I think maybe the, the final catalyst for deciding to have this conversation on in the shift was the Mark Fennell documentary where he he finishes, or certainly around the end of the documentary, where he speaks about going to church and not feeling anything and, and wonders, as he did when he was younger, what that kind of means. And um, there's a there's a kind of poignancy to that question that is, I think, indicative of the questions that many of us ask about God and whether our experiences of God are true or real or not. And if they are, why why do they take shape in the way that they do? And if they're not, then what do we do with all of that, right? So, so much to explore and unpack. So that's where we're going to go today and for a little bit after today. Um, so a couple of things to say before we get into that conversation with Shane. Uh, firstly, uh, send us some feedback if you'd like, questions or a story or a reflection or a comment. Feedback at intheshift.com or you can also support the work of In The Shift by going to patreon.com slash in the shift and throwing us a few bucks a month to help us do this thing. That would be cool. Um, so feel free to do that if you'd like. This is episode 83 of In The Shift. Let's get into it. So today, Shane is back. Hello, Shane. Hello. Uh, we're going to solve all the world's problems today. Again? I thought we'd yeah, already done again. that over the previous episodes. Have they generated new problems while we were away? Uh, look, it's a complicated world we live in. Uh, so very we'll disappointing. We, <laughs> um, we are going to talk about experiencing God or not. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about cheese toasties because I... Oh. I've just had, could we introduce Toasty Corner into this? Because we spent a lot of our friendship talking about cheese toasties and I feel like other people might really be interested in this. Well, we could do an offshoot pod, cheese okay. toasty based. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had one today. How about you? Yes, so did I. Okay. Yep. yep. Green tomato and jalapeno. Is that chutney. right? Mine was yep. just a pretty straight up uh, cheese and salami, you know. Very disappointing. Uh, bit of mayo. Ooh. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you get a little mayo in there. Oh, I know, yeah. Mayo and barbecue sauce. Mayo and barbecue sauce, or or QP in particular, and barbecue sauce with a little cheese makes what I call a trash toasty because it's just kind of like a good hangover toasty. Not that I've experienced that. that. No, No, me neither. (laughs) Certainly not. Uh, Definitely not, no. So, okay, we're talking about experience, and this is probably going to be the first of a few ways of trying to come at this conversation. Because I think uh, we already realised in talking about preparing this episode that um, there's a lot to talk about and uh, we are not experts on all of it, but we're experts on enough of it to talk about it with confidence, whether that's justified or not. (laughs) We're experts on our own experience, which is just enough. Yeah. So this kind of, this this flowed out, uh, um, so there was Mark Fennell, uh, Australian documentary maker, recently made uh, The Kingdom, which you were involved with. 
which was really an exploration of the Australian megachurch scene, Pentecostalism, you know, the Hillsong story, etc. Um, and Mark wove his own story through the telling of that larger story and kind of ends on this really poignant and introspective uh, reflection on his own experience, or towards the end of the doco, I think it is, mm. where he he is attended this kind of church service for the first time in a very long time and feels nothing and just reflects on the fact that that reminded him of his, of that a very similar um, mm. feeling when he was young and involved in those kinds of churches. Looking around the room, all of these people apparently experiencing something incredibly meaningful. Uh, and what does it mean when you're the one in the room not feeling anything at all? Mm. And he's asking the question in, in a sense there, are all, are all of these people pretending? Uh, and that's one thing. Or perhaps worse than everybody else pretending is that actually everyone else is actually experiencing God and God mm. is choosing to leave me out of this. And it's mm. some kind of, you know, grand cosmic rejection. Yeah, I think the, the phrase he uses, <laughs> am I unwanted on a cosmic scale? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> which is, yeah, yeah, which is, yeah, quite quite a big blow, if true. Mm. I think it was also the moment in the documentary where uh, everyone private messaged Mark to tell them they wanted to give him a hug. Right. Which is yeah. very sweet, yeah. I'm sure you got plenty of messages too from people saying, you just need to push through a little more, Mark. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is there for you if you get a little more hungry to God. I hope Don't, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think we both heard that part of the doco and, and heard something in that that I think we've heard, mm. either felt ourselves at various points mm. or have heard a mm. lot in our conversations mm. with people over many years mm. um, and recognised that through feedback that we've had, to this pod, right? That this is this is connected to a bunch of questions for people that that's quite common. It's a it's a common experience. I know that Mark's had a lot of feedback, right? About mm. about that part of the story. Mm. So yeah. we thought we'd dive into the murky and difficult territory of trying to figure out what on earth is going on with our experiences or our lack of experiences. Uh, and it is complicated because um, we're dealing with like sub what we'd call subjectivity, right? We're dealing with people's own stories of their own experiences and their bodies and their spirituality and it's something kind of personal, diverse yeah. um, and yet also people make huge, you know, huge meaning is attached to it. Mm. And so there's, there's lots to kind of work through, you know, like uh, for some people, incredible. this is the central part of their faith and their spirituality. For others, yep. this is like the reason they left faith or it's a massive point of contention for them in their faith. Um, maybe for some people it's actually been the site of, of their trauma. You know, mm. it's being, it was the healing that didn't come or the being shoved across the room or held yep. under the water during baptism for too long. Um, whatever, <laughs> whatever <laughs> That'll it might. do it. <laughs> That'll, That'll yeah. usually do it, yep. So, um, so yeah, there's, lo there's lots to, to dig into here, which is going to be fun, I hope. Um, let's talk a bit about maybe our own backgrounds I want to talk Perth. about your microphone quality. You just did a very cute sneeze and it didn't get picked up at all, which is which I got <laughs> I got to witness and no one else did. So first thing to point out, not a sneeze. That's my that's my lovely little cough. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 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 Very gentle. Uh, but yeah, look, mate, this is why they pay me the big okay. bucks. Turn yeah, up with you got the, the you, you got the big microphone. You got the big microphone. <laughs> you got big right. microphone big microphone energy. Yeah. <laughs> uh 
Yeah, so let's let's reflect a little bit, perhaps on our own story, uh, especially yeah. in relation to this. Like, what's what was your journey into kind of this sort of Pentecostal charismatic notion of like experiencing God in the church and so on? Yeah, look, because I, I think it's important to, I guess, using Mark's little uh, vignette as a as the framing narrative for this, it's kind of important to recognise that we're talking about a really specific experience. And uh, if you've only ever been in this kind of church, then that kind of is what Christianity is to a lot of people um, without realising that there's actually a huge amount of breadth of expectation across the traditions and stuff. And so yeah. I came into this much later in life. And so I know exactly <laughs> um, what Mark's talking about and have many people with parallel experiences in that. But um, I, I started off in a, I think I've mentioned before, in a smaller brethren church, um, which was very, you know, really conservative, but, um, you know, really conservative and really kind and loving um, in, in lots of ways. I was quite young at the time, so I probably hadn't really... <laughs> pulled it apart that much. But experience of God as such wasn't really a part of the framework of my of my childhood. Um, and nor when we moved town and went to a Baptist church, um, music was a big part of that community in a, in a slightly different way, um, partly because they were obsessed with not using drums because they were demonic. Um, ah, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that old chestnut, you know. Um, but I remember... Never really having, uh, there was always a sense of intimacy with God described in those environments, but there was never really a push for it as such. But in that church with its, you know, what I would now look back and go probably quite terrible music and very <laughs> terrible theology, um, a lot of the songs had kind of like, were kind of like intimacy based. There's kind of a lot of connection with God and God empowering you and, you know, feeling in love with God and that. And I just felt those things. Um, I, I didn't really feel swept up in it in any particular sense, but I definitely felt close and connected. And it wasn't until I kind of entered the Pentecostal space with its kind of much more driven music styles and a kind of focus on worship that that became a new feature of Christianity for me, where part of what being a Christian was was experiencing God in increasingly dramatic and more intense ways. And... Yeah, I think looking back, I, I feel <laughs> I feel kind of exhausted whenever I talk about my Pentecostal days because there was lots of exciting and great bits about it, but I just remember feeling very emotionally exhausted a lot of the time because you kind of had to whip up a bit of a frenzy, you know, five or six times a week to um enter into this <laughs> kind of space and to meet mm. these kinds of expectations and. But for me personally, like I, I have a lot of kind of church complexities and things, but if I'm just taking my own experience, this is something that I never really felt dis at ease with um, while, while I was in it. I felt connected to God. I, I find music um, really stimulating. I find it really um, like it really activates my emotions. I don't listen to a lot of music now um, just in general, but partly because um, – it does a lot in me, and I'm not always prepared. <laughs> not always prepared for that level of emotional engagement. Um, and so, in worship services and stuff like that, um, other than at times, you know, when I was exhausted, kind of feeling exhausted, engaging with it. If you're just kind of looking at just the "is God present with me" element, at the time I would have just gone, "Yeah, I feel really connected to God. It's a really lovely space." It wasn't really until I started spending time talking to people who weren't having the same experience and understanding what it was like to not be feeling those things, that that started to begin to disintegrate 
for me a little bit. Yeah. How about you? You're you're Pentecostal through and through, so. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah, yeah, I grew up in a in a Pentecostal um home, like church. Um church and home were yeah, pretty thoroughly Pentecostal. I think, you know, my my parents were I guess thoughtful Pentecostals in, in many respects. And they mm. they were not like pressuring me to have certain kinds of experiences uh, in any kind of way that I'd look back and say, oh, wow, that was, you know, I wish they hadn't done that. In that sense, they were pretty kind people, you know, mm. who wanted something genuine, something real. So they I weren't. They, looking... they, they, they still are kind people. Yeah, they are. That's, yes. my, that's yes. my experience yes, of them anyway, still, Michael. They are, mm. they are still kind people indeed. Yeah. And, cool. uh, you know, weren't particularly interested in like manufacturing something. That, for yeah. them, I think yeah. there was always something authentic they were searching for. Um, but yeah, that kind of experientialism, I guess, was a regular f- feature of, you know, I, I sort of certainly remember sort of lying under the seats in the in the church hall in the school hall, you know, while the while the church service went on into the into the evening. Um tucked up in my wee blanket there while everyone prayed and, and sought God, you know, and there's kind of real emphasis on I guess on like a, a sort of a hunger or a desire for God. And that if you mm. cultivated that hunger and desire that that would lead you to some to sort of tapping into something, some kind of yeah. power yeah. or some kind of experience or that would enable you maybe to do things or to say mm-hmm. things or to see things. Um, so, yeah, that was a pretty common feature. I think it's probably not until my maybe mid to late teens and then certainly into my early 20s when I think I got more and more um, caught up in the sense that I needed to really push in and find kind of the the magic experience place you know i had i had read the stories of the of the revivalists or you know sort of the the people who talked about these really radical experiential kind of um lives of faith with god and and all the kind of radical things they had to do to become those people mm. and i think mm. uh, there were certainly times when i envisaged myself trying to become one of those people and yeah. trying to do all the things but sort of never quite being very good at it because i was also <laughs> quite sleepy um, <laughs> you know, so whether it was the, the getting up early or the staying up late or the yeah. the going on yeah. prayer retreats, sort of or the fasting, you're trying to do 21 mm. day fasts and then uh, getting very hungry and not quite making it to 21 days. <laughs> All the different things I was doing to try and break through Ooh, and have this kind of demonic toasties <laughs> talking to you. Uh, and so it kind of mixed all through that. I think for me, it's like a combination of things. For me, yeah, I had a sense of God being present to me. I don't... Now, I'm almost saying that regardless of how I'd now go back and analyze that and mm, how I was mm. making that judgment. Just, yeah, just in terms of my, lived, ex- at the time. Yeah, my mm. lived experience at that time was certainly that I was, I was having, you know, that God felt for the most part, yeah, close um, to be experienced, albeit that that closeness and that experience sort of for me was really just the door through which I was to walk to get to the real, real yeah. kind of magic behind yeah. the behind yeah. in, the, in the next room you know so yeah. always always yeah. trying to get into the next room to see what yeah. where, where the real power was um mm-hmm. and never never quite made it in um so yeah it's a, it's a combination of things for me i think i can see both threads kind of through my story both of mm. of experience that was really meaningful and that shaped me and i can point even to specific experiences that were really meaningful and that had a big impact on me and then also kind of questions about why things weren't happening in the way that i imagined that they that they might have why God wasn't responding to me in, in the way that mm. I thought. Um, not in a formulaic way, but just in the sense of surely surely 
that breakthrough that's just around the corner, surely it actually has to at yeah. some point come if what everybody's well, well, saying is true, you know? To, to kind of name that, it's kind of baked into the system, right? You can't yeah. ever really feel like you're actually making it yeah. or actually getting to that place or actually – or even if you have a peak experience where that's – it now, like there's always, it's always about a lifestyle of this and, you know, experiencing more and, you know, yeah. then being able to perform miracles and whatever else it is. Like that baked into the system is this kind of like, yeah, that, that carrot <laughs> that's yeah. dangled out, that's dangled out perpetually in front of you where you have to keep no matter, you know, and even the kind of fresh anointing thing of like, you know, yeah. whatever you had last week, you know, that's, that's not enough. We can't live on yesterday's anointing you need. A fresh anointing, <laughs> so you have to go and do it all again. Like, yeah, I oh, think I can I'm hear having, that. I can hear that I'm wavering some in flash- your voice. Oh, <laughs> I'm having some flashbacks. <laughs> you know what? Just, just uh, don't mind me while I hold myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the best is yet to come. So, um, uh, yeah, like I remember actually going to a, one of my experiences was going. I must have been sixteen, maybe or something like that, and we came up to Auckland to go to a big kind of youth rally. With a, mm. with a speaker from overseas and he went around and prayed for every young person in the building. And I do remember watching them like all fall down, you know, one after the other, dunk, 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 as he went along the line and prayed for them and then got to me and I just sort of stayed there and then along he went and and pretty much every young person in the building fat down, fell down and I was now standing among like a sea of bodies <laughs> just like alone in the middle of the room, you know. <laughs> and that's quite an interesting thing to process is like a 16-year-old, you know. Yeah. And a guy came up to me afterwards and he was like, can I pray for you again? And I was like, uh, yeah. And he goes, I noticed you didn't fall down. I just thought I should pray for you again, you know. <laughs> and so then he prayed for me and then I still didn't fall over, much to his disappointment. <laughs> and look, if you're not from a Pentecostal background, like even falling over, the idea that you would fall over when you get prayed for might sound like the most bizarre foreign concept to you in the world. It sounds even better if we talk about it as being slain in the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Just the best term for anything ever. Um, but <laughs> but that was like a feature of, of that kind of experientialism at, at a certain point yeah. in time especially. Yeah. And, mm. um, and, you know, he was praying for me and I still wasn't sort of falling over, but he, so he said, oh, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's bouncing off you and can't get in, you know. Um, which again, as a 16-year-old, like that's quite a lot to process in terms of yeah. it, why can't why? the Holy Spirit get in? What is it yeah. about me that means the Holy Spirit can't get in? Why can't again, an all-powerful God? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that those are – and again, I, I had the fortune of being able to, you know, drive home with my parents and tell them about that experience and for them to yeah. offer, offer me yeah. a different narrative to that. But, um, mm. but yeah, th- those things are, I guess, a part of my story. Uh, mm. Certainly, in the in the early, you know, up until sort of mid mid to late twenties. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, even as we talk about this, is that just kind of the, I guess, the levels of experience within these places, and depending on what context you've been in, that'll be different. You know, for some people, it's about whether you feel God during the singing or not. Yeah, for other people, it's like, what are you feeling like after the twenty first day of your breakthrough fast? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then sure. when you go and try and evangelize your school by doing some street preaching in the quad at lunchtime, and how many people got saved? Yeah. <laughs> and how many healings you've done at the shopping mall? Like, yeah, there, there definitely is a variety. 
Oh, it's such a massive variety. Yeah, there's, there's levels to this. Yeah, and, I and mean, even just within this very specific context, like totally. And then you know, some people, when as soon as you start talking about experiencing God, it won't be like a big deal for them. But what they mean when they talk about that is just the warm feeling they get when they're at the beach or on a mountain or in a forest yeah. or or yeah. hanging out with good friends. You know, so the the spectrum of like even what we are referring to when we talk about this language is yeah. so broad and so wide, and so that's what yeah. makes it a complicated conversation to have. Yeah, absolutely. And look, and look, I'm sure later on in this little series of talks, that's some stuff that we need to get into because the the, the tradition, the Christian tradition, has a um, you know a variety of frameworks and and kind of pathways into what experience is, um, and yeah, and what and, and kind of what spiritual expressions are. It's just that in most of these contexts, there's <laughs> one very narrow road, yeah. uh, very narrow tightrope, and either you're walking on it or you're not. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to kind of work our way through this, you know, we've, we've gotten a bunch of feedback from listeners in the shift around some of this as well. So going to draw on some of the things that have been fed back to us. Meg um, wants us to lot. call them shifties. Shifties? Yep, she's determined because Taylor right? Swift has swifties. Oh, swifties. And she thinks it'd be super cool if they were shifties, which okay. I'm, I'm just not buying. I'm sorry. So look, hey, sorry, hey, everybody, hey everybody out there. <laughs> Listening right hey, now. Do you feel like being called shifties? <laughs> Does that patronizing? <laughs> is, is, that, is that patronizing? Does um, it misrepresent how much you actually like us? Probably so. <laughs> Luckily, Meg doesn't actually listen, so it's fine. Uh, we, <laughs> I did when I named in the shift. I was looking at like something around movement and like fluidity, but also um, something that kind of vaguely referenced um, being things being a bit shitty. So um, we could call them shitties, <laughs> not shifties. Yeah. Oh, then it's just even better. Oh, that's really endearing. <laughs> okay. Send us your um, send us your preferences. <laughs> okay. Uh, so maybe what we'll try and do as a way to give some structure to this is we'll we'll talk about sort of three over sort of three ways of approaching this this conversation around experience and see where that gets us. We're going to talk a bit about kind of what we're experiencing or not and the meaning we're kind of making of those experiences. We'll talk a bit mm. about how to interpret what we're experiencing and some of the various explanations we might have for that. And then we're going to talk a bit about uh, experience and coercion. Um, not a surprise, perhaps, if you've been listening. To, if, you're a, if you're an out-and-out shifty, you'll know all about <laughs> our, our fascination with coercion in the spiritual space. Did that work? Oh, I just that dropped definitely it in sounds, Yeah, it sounds so cool. <laughs> sounds so cool. Yeah. Uh, hello? Are you still there? No, I think we lost our last, I think we lost our last listener. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, we're going to talk a bit about how how experience um, kind of intersects with coercion and sort of what we're being told we're supposed to experience and how the pressure mm. can sometimes sit around some of the stuff. So those are the yeah. those are the three ways we'll work through this convo and we'll just sort of uh, see where it takes us. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Okay, well, so maybe you know as we talk about sort of the meaning of our experiences and what we're actually experiencing or not, I guess it's perhaps it's helpful to reflect just on this thought that's already come up a little bit in our own stories, which is that. There are many people for whom they feel like they are having genuine and meaningful experiences of God, mm. right? Um, people for whom, and again, it, it can be a broad, like they're not all described in the same way. They don't all sound the same or look the same. But people for whom when we start to talk about experiencing God, they're like, yeah, this is what that looks like for me. And yep. it's not complicated for them maybe or or at least it's not fraught with kind of tension or trauma or angst or mm. 
or big questions. It's just a part of their spirituality and they feel really good about that. And I think that's probably just like helpful to acknowledge, right? Mm. Um, we actually have a, a feedback from, um, from Sue who shares a little bit about her own sense of what it's like to feel God close to her. Experience of God, um, I have had times when I have been what I would call filled with the Holy Spirit where I have felt like warmth at different parts of my body, um, particularly around my head. Um, and also um, I've had this feeling like bubbles coming up inside my tummy. That's how, how I would describe it. Um, for about the last 30-odd years, um, I regularly get this warmth around my ear and I've learnt that that is when maybe God wants to say something, point something out. Um, it has happened in church, sometimes through a song, very occasionally for a sermon. Um, I've listened to a lot of dry sermons over the years, um, so not much Holy Spirit. Um, but I do get this quite a bit in my work as a counsellor. Um, I've got it right now while I'm doing this. I felt like this was something God wanted me to do, so that's why I feel like I've got this warmth happening at the moment. Um, and so what we're kind of hearing in that kind of story, and Sue's wouldn't be unusual for many people, you know, in, in some form of spirituality that centers experience like this. Um, you know, we're hearing somebody who who has a sense of in their body perhaps or in their heart or their mind or whatever it looks like for them of experiencing God and of that being a meaningful part of their of their life, their faith, their their spirituality. And that sounds like something that's kind of reflected at least at some points in, in your story too, right? Yeah, and, and I, I guess I want to name as well, there's, there's kind of, and, and this is not a <laughs> prioritising one experience over the other, but I think there are kind of two versions of it, is that there's ref, pre-reflective and reflective versions of that. There are people who have never really thought about that. They've just experienced that thing. They haven't really pulled it apart or deconstructed it or asked questions of it or any of those things. They've just gone, this is what I feel. I believe it's God. And it's really nice. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the problem is. Yeah. Uh, then there's other people, and this is, you know, that, that was me at some stage. And and then there's other people who probably more match where I am at now, where um a little more post-reflective on it, where I've kind of pulled that apart. I've looked at neuroscience. I've looked at a whole bunch of different experiences. I'm open to the fact that this, I could be completely, this is this is just all um, delusion. It's all um, meeting some kind of psychological, emotional need. It's all, uh, you know, a particular reconstruction of stuff because of things that have been um, fed to me in um, formational childhood experiences, all of those things, and I still feel like, wow, like as as much as I on a good day feel like there is the divine in the universe, I feel like I have a connection to what that is in particular moments. Um, and I can talk at length about all of the ways in which I might be deluded, <laughs> mm. um, but I still authentically feel some kind of connection and attribute that to to some kind of divine activity. Mm. And so there are kind of variations of the same thing, and no, neither's better or worse than the other. But I think what's easy to do is if you have had a particular experience that doesn't match that, or you've pulled it apart and then gone, "Oh no, nah, God's not real. This is all bullshit." To go, everyone else is either an idiot or they're faking it. 
Um, sure, yeah. And I think we've got to be careful dismissing other people's experiences mm. just, you know, because either we didn't have them or because we pulled them apart because – yeah, I think there's a there's a dynamic there in which we end up doing to others what we feel people have tried to do to us, which is to fit out their experiences into ours and fit their reflections into ours, which I don't think is super healthy. I think it's an understandable impulse if you felt violated and you've suddenly got a yeah. voice and you just want to tell all Christians they're idiots. Um, you know, I, I understand that impulse, but um, I think hopefully getting to a place where there's a little more generosity is nice. Yeah, and some, like you say, some of that, and we'll get into this a little bit later on uh, in more depth, but is is that some people who have that experience, and maybe it's yeah, wherever they're at on that story, they have that experience and then assume that that's the way everybody should be experiencing yeah. it, right? And, and yeah. that, that's yeah. kind of the reverse of the dismissing everybody's experiences mm-hmm. is the assuming mm-hmm. everybody's experiences yeah. has to in some way yeah. be reminded. So, you know, and, and look, sometimes attributing, attributing a whole bunch of other things to it, of going, you know, like, my life is good and I am blessed because I have these moments with God and, you know, if you pressed in, you'd better have the same thing in mm. my life. Fantastic. And it's actually just like white privilege and um, great parents and a whole bunch of other things that it's like sure. set their life up for. And, and that yeah. attribution gets really frustrating when you go, oh, you have such a naive, simplistic, like, view of the un- <laughs> view of the universe and you're attributing it to this, like, closeness and proximity to God. I want you know, to push back really hard against that. Um, mm. That's an understandable imp- impulse to get frustrated with that thing. But And perhaps it's yeah. helpful with us, for us at this point to, to think about how, you know, you and I are approaching this conversation, which is that mm. I think we are, you know, we are trying, I, I think it's fair to say that we're coming at this conversation as people who, who most of the time still um, believe in God. And um, <laughs> is that fair? Is that? Yeah, yeah. that's fair. And... Um, Maybe not the God that people assume we believe in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without talking, without talking about what we mean when we say God, <laughs> mm. at least, yeah, yeah, maybe the divine or something is yeah. more helpful language if we want to get around those constructs. Um, and that, yeah, we, what we're not, I think, wanting to do is either dismiss everybody's experiences for all time, you know, all humans everywhere who have ever talked about having some kind of experience of something more or transcendent or divine or, or, or godish. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're not wanting to dismiss all of those and neither are we wanting to sort of ignore the all of the other dimensions that can contribute yeah. to our experience of life and the fact that it can also be a murky mixture of all sorts of other things too. So we're going to try and sort of find our way through yeah. all of this. I mean, together. I think both yeah. are fun. Com- it's, a, it's a fun conversation to say if, mm. there, was no, if there was nothing divine, um, how could we explain this stuff? And there's, you know, there's very, <laughs> there's very compelling and good and interesting mm. conversations to be had about the, that that will be woven through this um through this conversation, at the end of it for me, I don't think any of them actually exclude the possibility of divinity. Mm. I think that's another major philosophical conversation you can have about that. But it doesn't mean that they're not contrib- they shouldn't be contributors in the dialogue. Like, yeah, I think they probably can exclude certain um, understandings of divinity, perhaps, or yeah, and, and certain claims, yeah. Yeah, certain yeah, claims certain of what your yeah. experience it, it mm. categorically is. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it's a the road I think both of us have found ourselves taking is it's a lot murkier than that and mm. that two things can be true at once. Mm. And yeah. that doesn't dismiss either either of them. So we have people for whom, yeah, this experience of, of the divine feels very real, seems very meaningful. Uh, someone like Sue who's sharing her story, you know, like this matters and this shapes my life in, in these ways and it's yeah. lovely. Uh, and yeah. then I guess 
what makes this conversation necessary is that you have then these people who are asking the kind of Mark Fennell question, like, mm. why am I not experiencing something yep. that others seem to be experiencing? This beautiful, meaningful experience that other people are having that I'm now not having. And yep. then having to try and sort of figure out why it's mm. not happening. Mm. Um, and there's a few different versions of that, right? Of going like, I'm not having it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And... I'm not having it and I feel cosmically abandoned. Why would God choose them and not me? That doesn't yeah. seem fair at all. And that is actually devastating. And I've got friends in that place who spent yeah. a lifetime in church and feel devastated by the fact that they spent years crying out to God to show up like they were told to. And yeah. then God continues to not show up in the ways that was promised. And they can only take that as a very deep and meaningful rejection. Like Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and un- that's an understandable conclusion, right? Mm. Like a, that's mm. a logical conclusion in many respects. Yeah. Um, and you kind of have, yeah, though, like like I was talking about, I suppose, in my own experience in the past, um, this experience of like, of always trying to figure out what the missing bit is <laughs> mm. <laughs> to like mm. get the kind of experience yep. I... Oh yeah, and it, and it wasn't, and I wouldn't have said it was to get a particular kind of experience at the time. I wouldn't have said I was formularizing it and saying I want an experience that looks like this. What I was wanting was intimacy with God, exactly. And what I had in my head was that that would feel a certain way. I didn't care yeah. whether I fell down or didn't fall down, or spoke yeah. in tongues or didn't speak in tongues or anything like that. Yeah. What I wanted was closeness to the divine, mm. and um, and so that's what I was kind of seeking for, but always feeling like yeah there was an element of closeness to the divine that I yep. wasn't yet tapping into. And so the end, mm. and so I, and that was for me as someone who was experiencing something, right? Uh, yep. Little, or felt that I was, let alone mm. someone who's not experiencing or feeling like they're sensing yep. anything at all. So what is, what is that missing piece? And it's probably my fault, right? Yeah, <laughs> It's yep. either God is disinterested in me, which is kind of a cosmic abandonment, mm. uh, or, or I'm not getting something or doing something um, I'm not, yeah, pressing in hard <laughs> this kind of language <laughs> yep. that is yep. um, hard, hungry to, enough, hard hungry to define. enough for it. Yeah, sin yeah. is also a major one. Or oh, if you're yes. still feeling this way, it's unconfessed sin somewhere in your yeah. life. Like, yeah, for us young guys, it was usually you know always mas- masturbation, always <laughs> masturbation, as we've talked about before <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, yep, yeah. Um, and so you've got people living with this kind of tension of, yeah, this desire for a certain kind of experience mm. or any experience at all perhaps, mm. but not having that and then the sense of failure or of missing out or of being left out that comes along with that. And we'll get, we'll get to this later, but what's worth n- noticing at that point though is that for a lot of people, there's a connection between the divine as a person and feeling embodied loved, emb- embodied love. So... Because we conceive of the divine as a personal force and a personal agency, somewhere parallel to what human relationships feel like, our expectation is that what intimacy will feel like will have some parallels with what it feels like to be loved by a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important for for later on down the track when we get into um, attachment theory um, and people's attachments to their parents and other caregivers and other people in their life and the parallels between those experiences and feeling safe and attached with God that, yeah, there's there's some 
yeah, there's just some really interesting work being done in that area and trying to describe mm. why is it perhaps that some people struggle to feel attached in that way. Right, that's interesting. All right, well, that's a teaser for the future. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> Shifties will be onto that. Did it work that time? I... Yeah, it's very natural. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so just thinking then about, you know, these experiences that we're having or not having, the meaning that we're making from that, there's, I think for a lot of people, and this would certainly be my story, is this complicated mixture of experiences that maybe many of which might have felt really meaningful and then some mm. that felt very constructed, forced, manipulated, um, some that's felt very positive, some that mm. have a whole lot of negativity attached to, to, the, to the experience or to the lack of the experience, some yeah. that seemed good at the time and now looking back you're like, oh, <laughs> right. wait, I'm not so sure about that now. Um, no, no, a little so bit more a lot about of... group dynamics and that person. <laughs> I have less yeah, 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 that's right. And the goodness of that experience, yeah. yeah. Apparently if you just talk really, really quietly, really, really quietly, really, really quietly, and then suddenly really loudly, <laughs> uh, you, can just, <laughs> you can cause a kind of reaction in people. Um, or if you sneak up on someone when their eyes are closed and they're really and blow um, on them. paying attention yeah. and blow on them. Or um, I remember someone came up and because usually we got the hand on the shoulder or the head. And that was yes. always one kind of thing. Um, but there, I, I remember being up on some kind of, uh, okay, use Pentecostal language again here, altar call, where we were all up. <laughs> yes. You know, those of us who were hungry were up the front getting prayed for. Uh, had the eyes closed and the hands raised and I was, you know, the song, the music was playing and there I was seeking something. And then a little bit known, little known to me, there, there was someone had come up to pray for me and they put their hand on my stomach. And it's quite a it's quite a sensitive area when you're not like ready for it, you know. And quite so an then, intimate, quite an intimate area. Yeah, it's quite an intimate me, area. Um, and then and then I so I sort of almost jumped, you know, like um, just as a bodily reaction to like being touched on my stomach by surprise. Uh, and then they're like, "Yes, there it is, the Holy Spirit." I'm like, "No, you just gave me a fright. You gave me a big fright." <laughs> you didn't get to fill out a feedback form. <laughs> That's right. So you know, like. For a lot of people, I think, who have been in these kinds of spaces, there's lots of muddled thoughts and feelings mm. about all of this. So mm. it's not Absolutely. just as simple as, yeah, I had, I have a great experience and a series of great experiences and it's awesome, or mm. I have nothing. There's lots mm. of people who are like, what do I do with all of this? And I kind of feel like I've had some good and some bad and, and, and I'm not quite sure what, to, what sense to make of all of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's also like, <laughs> uh, like the unexplainable phenomena that um, – like this is for me personally something that I mm. find really um, hard to make sense of sometimes mm. because I'm probably I'm much more cynical than I used to be. That is for sure about <laughs> about experience, and that's just mm. because of my own journey. Um, but sometimes there are people who I trust who have stories about particular experiences that I find um, very difficult to. Mm. discount because I know the person mm. and yet uh, find it very difficult to, to accept because I don't like the <laughs> idea that, that kind of, <laughs> I don't like the implications of it, you know what I mean? And I still yeah. don't really know what to do with that, but that still mm. just, that just kind of sits there for me, yeah. Yeah. you know? Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm just kind yeah. of naming naming that as like, a, mm. I would like Absolutely. things to be much more tidy than I feel like they are. Yeah. Yeah, um, because it would yep. just make me feel better about myself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and, and even just keep having a little bit more control over the world and what's possible. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm. and probably in some way that's an attempt. You know, the tidiness. If I could just explain everything 
and, and tidy it all up. Yeah. That probably helps me to avoid ever having to ask that question of mm. why I'm not or why I didn't or why I haven't. Um, if these other people yeah. out there have had these things, then yep. and if I have and if I acknowledge that they have actually might have actually happened that way, then what does that mean for me, the one who hasn't mm. had that experience? Yeah. Mm. So I think that's yeah. that's probably a part of the the tension of it. Yeah. Um, one of the things you mentioned music in your own kind of mm. narrative. Um, I know this is something that again in Pentecostal charismatic spaces in particular, I think music is such a central part of the spirituality. Yeah. And it's interesting, again, we did a thing on, uh, we had sort of an Insta question about this um, a week or two back. Just in terms of people kind of describing <laughs> almost simultaneously this this reality of the worship music was the place I experienced God the most mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. the worship music is the thing I now trust the least. Yes. Um, and it's such yeah. an, that's such an interesting tension for me too mm. and, and, and something I think we need to circle back around at, at some point mm. in the upcoming mm. conversations which is what's going on with music and um, yeah. and in that kind of worship space you know like so many of the songs like lyrically and not just lyrically but the you know the very well written songs as well uh, in terms of the way they We all love, they it. We love a good key change <laughs> Yeah yeah key change and peaks and troughs and yeah. and all that kind of stuff you know that that are often like, again, simultaneously telling us we're loved, but also telling us that we are not deserving of that love, mm-hmm. simultaneously bathing us in the sense of God's presence whilst also telling us to push forward to get into God's presence. And yep. God is here, but God is also coming down and God is coming yep. from somewhere else, but also God is in you. And <laughs> yep. and <laughs> there's such a, yep. uh, I mean, aside from just the theological mess of all of that, there's, mm. um, there's not a lot of coherence, I think, overall to a lot of that. There's also just a really complicated thing it does to us, which is it's it's the source or the place of a lot of really potent, meaningful experiences for people and also mm. the place of a lot of confusion. And so a lot of yeah. people talk about just just hearing the music now is this trigger of like a bodily trauma response. You know, yeah. so it's it's super interesting. Yeah. And 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 other I have other friends who don't believe any of it <laughs> um and still listen to worship music because it makes them feel comforted. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and that's, you know, that, that's just a place they can return to of going like, you know, I have a friend who says, you know, I wish I believed, that, I wish I still believed all this. It just feels really nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just, I wish I believed that there's a God that loved me and that it was all going to be okay. That yeah. feels great. Like, yeah, I just I listened to long for the music to remember that feeling again. Like, right. Yeah. 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 There's also, and that kind of unnamed factor so far is just the, the function that worship has in the in the service. So if you look at, you know, Pentecostal charismatic Christianity, for a large parts of it, it is it is the service and the sermon that really is the central transformative space um, or the or the kind of like elevated space within the Christian life of um really it's hearing from an anointed ordained person um that is that, that's kind of the peak Christian experience and a good worship session is kind of the gateway into being prepared for that and so worship has carried a lot of weight for some people because it's this thing where as a congregation unless you've achieved 
breakthrough or God showing up or whatever it is, you, you're not allowed, you're not let go until there's that vibe in the room, which prepares the platform for first the offering message and then the sermon. Um, yeah. And it's really important we have a good atmosphere for that. And so worship will be kind of like flogged until, you know, now let's really sing that song. And so worship kind of comes with an anxiety, a built-in anxiety in it because the congregation has to achieve this sensation and this feeling before they let go into the really important bit. And so mm. you will be admonished mm. if you don't give all of yourself for it. The worship team will be <laughs> shredded afterwards if they haven't hit those key changes. You know, like mm. there's, there's kind of like, a, like if we're just talking about Pentecostal charismatic spaces, there's there's is such an emphasis on this, not only being important for you as an individual, but for, but for, but for being kind of like the the gateway to the truly important bit of the center of the Christian life, which is sure. listening to some dude talk at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I like there's a, there's a bunch of spiritual kind of um, like Bible passages and spiritual kind of ideas that are used to reinforce that. So one mm. that came up a lot was like how in the Old Testament, the musicians were sent out ahead of the troops in the battles, yep. you know. Yeah, also so like known the, as cannon fodder, yeah. Yes. So the so the praise and the praise and worship team were going ahead of the army to essentially mm. gain God's favor or God's blessing for what was about to happen and to break the ground yeah. and to kind of um yeah and so there's a lot of um certainly when I was growing up especially in the 80s there's a lot of warfare language mm. in worship music yes. too around yeah. kind of how music is fighting the battle and I think there's a lot less warfare language than there used to be but it's still very common to sort of use those passages and, yep. you know, something like, uh, you know, the reason the devil hates you is because the devil was, you know, now, again, there's some bad interpretation of the Bible going on here, but <laughs> the devil was the worship leader in heaven before he got too big an ego and he was cast down. And so that's yes. why he hates it when you worship, you know. And so when Very you worship, dubious. you're kind of overcoming the devil and <laughs> yeah. and pissing the devil off by singing yeah. your heart out, you know. Yeah. So there's all this kind of battle imagery in the sense that worship is kind of breakthrough. Um, that's like one of the things, yeah, that that's kind of used to to highlight sort of the critical nature of what it is that we're doing when we sing songs mm. together mm. Um, that kind of heighten the urgency of of what we're doing and, and the outcome of it. Yeah. Um, and, and the stakes feel very high. Absolutely. Especially if you're, yeah. if you're and I, I was certainly involved in like, you know, and I still do play music in church, but in those kinds of environments. Yeah. Used to used to play music a lot, and yeah, the stakes felt extraordinarily yeah. high in terms of well, well, the responsibility that was on our shoulders. To, absolutely, to, to lead and, and, and the just the yeah. con condensing of this is what Christianity is. Like, mm. <laughs> like this is this is Christian. Like this is the most important bit. Like this is we yeah. prepare all week so that people can come, and this is being a Christian is experiencing this thing. And mm. talking to people from other traditions, who when you describe this to them, they're like. What? <laughs> like, ah, yeah. oh, for us it was feeding the poor, or <laughs> you know, like what, whatever else. But like, mm. there was just never that sense of like, oh, like so. Christianity is about Sundays. Like that's a that's a foreign concept to me. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and so so all of this is kind of connected to like this this emotional because because the stakes are so high. Like, I know there's a massive emotional rush that that mm. comes with it as well of like, mm. and again, because of the music or because of the the altar call and the, you're up the front and 
you're, you're wanting desperately for your life to count for something or to matter yep. or, and you're singing your heart out and someone's going to have a word for you or someone's going to come yep. along and speak yep. something into your life or they're going to see you, you know, even mm. just the sense of being seen, you know, someone's going to see you and say you matter and you're going to do yep. something great. And, you know, yep. all of the, the, again, the stakes feel high, the emotion is high and it's, I think maybe that's why for some people it's the most memorable part yeah. of their faith journey, yeah. especially for people who maybe have deconstructed a bit. Yeah. Um, and if you pause memor- and look at it in a, in a positive light there, like to think about that, like regardless of how, of how how we feel about the ethics of using these spaces in those ways to manipulate or otherwise people in these spaces, to go that in the world there is a place you can turn up and someone in a moment we are surrounded by loving community will look you in the eyes and say, I care about you, I see you, and you really matter. Yeah. Like that's that's really significant in the world. You know, that that's that's there are not many spaces in the world where, and particularly for people who don't have that at home or in other spheres of life, mm, where mm. there's that space carved out for those, mm. like not only like like it feels like it matters at the time. I know that we're saying that, but I also just think categorically, like as an experience, being in a place where you are unconditionally loved, where you where in no, I think it's all very conditional, but where you feel <laughs> unconditionally <laughs> yeah, you feel it, yeah. loved, and in that moment, in a, in a moment of like like of genuine care that someone is able to say, I see you, I see your experience, I affirm you, you are noticed, you are important, you matter. Like there aren't many spaces in the world where that exists, Mm, mm. you know? So Mm. yeah, the stakes are high because that taps deep into something within us of our human human need for connection Yeah, with God or others. And it's part of what makes this so hard to unravel or to question or Mm. when you do question it, then how devastating it can kind of be to go on or traumatic it can be to like go, oh, yeah. Was that That all just fake? Was it all just fake? And Mm. what does that mean about the thing that gave me life and gave me a sense of the fact that I mattered in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's like the potency of the meaning is also why it can be connected to feelings of, yeah. of real kind of trauma or pain as well, right? Yeah, and anger yeah. and revulsion and yeah, yeah, yeah despair yeah, yeah, yeah. and all, all kinds of other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so so maybe this kind of flows into you know like how we interpret what we're experiencing. It kind of probably does. Yeah. I think our our three themes are very blurry. Um, <laughs> we're really just all one way of trying to make it sound like we're not having one big long rambling conversation. But um, we're definitely not. <laughs> definitely we've got three points we are highly very skilled clear. <laughs> highly skilled communicators yep who've yes. spent a lot of time thinking about this uh, so the sense of like interpreting our experiences this is this gets complicated right because like um, you know we start to to ask those questions of like mm-hmm. oh what is it that I was experiencing yeah um there's the interpretation we make of it at the time. And for some people, like we've already said, they don't, they're not asking those questions at the time at all. And other mm. people very much are. Mm. 
And then some people might be asking those questions later and that can be <laughs> tricky too. You know, like there's yeah. a very particular experience I think about from when I was in my mm, early 20s and I had been um, feeling like I – okay, here's how I would have described it at the time. So, mm, mm. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the deconstruction aside for a moment and just talk about yeah. how I experienced it at the time. I felt a call from God to um, – to stand up in front of people and communicate. Okay, I'm trying really hard not to deconstruct. <laughs> this is I talk about. I'm trying Come to on, just Michael. narrate how you I felt. You can do this. Come um, on, Pentecostal. Michael. Can I do it? Can I? Can I tap back into my younger self? I, I felt this urgency about that call, and like God was doing something with me, and that um, a part of my life's call was going to be to get up in front of people and and speak to them about God. And yet I was this incredibly shy, insecure, nervous, kind of socially awkward, you know, kid in my early 20s. I cannot uh, believe it. <laughs> not totally different to me now. Yeah, not, uh, not, I am not now none of those things. Very, very cool and very composed. Yeah. And charismatic and at ease <laughs> in every social situation. That's the way I live my life. <laughs> uh, so... Um, I had, you know, been talking to the youth pastor about getting a chance to speak at youth church and they were relatively hesitant to, uh, for some reason, <laughs> some unknown reason, hard to understand. They were hesitant to give me a shot. Uh, but in the end, they sort of relented and decided to, I think a, a, another couple of people had gone to them on my behalf to sort of say, come on, give Michael a go. <laughs> he's, um, not that, he's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and And then the weekend before I was scheduled to do that for the very first time, uh, there was some kind of church meeting going on where people were called forward and, and prayed for and I went forward and I had this really physical embodied kind of experience like of heightened, um, okay, no, I'm not, decon- I'm not describing it no, from now. come on. At the time, how I was at the time, I had this experience encounter with God where I began, um, again, to all my Pinty, Pinty people out there, began speaking in tongues kind of what felt like uncontrollably and kind of crumpled to the floor as someone prayed for me. Um, and then, <laughs> then there was a fire alarm in the building and everyone had to evacuate and I was still having this transcendent, uh, you know, this experience, transcendent experience. And so I was, so people came up to try and talk to me and I was talking back to them, speaking in tongues and... Um, <laughs> couldn't seem to talk English properly, and and uh, and so in the end, I was out. We all evacuated, and I went out to the car park, and I just sat in the corner of the car park and spoke in tongues to my to to the Lord for the next hour until eventually some friends said, "You know, do you want to come out for I don't know Burger King? Burger King is probably what it was at the time." And and I managed to sort of get in the car and then eventually get myself to stop. And, and and at the time, I would have felt like God had somehow sort of, you know, I think the way I described it would have been kind of unlocked my my mouth or my mm-hmm. voice or given mm-hmm. me this shot mm-hmm. of confidence and boldness and spirit that was going to enable me to do what I had to do. And then the next week I yeah. spoke and it was a roaring success and everyone thought it was amazing. And I was like, wow, that was such a thing, you know. And it's it's... What's so interesting now is to like look back on that and go, I'm not quite sure now how to make sense of yeah. that experience. And there's lots mm-hmm. about it that I question now. Mm. And yet at the time it was such, and actually still it's a really pivotal moment in my life because it did. <laughs> like yeah. Whether there was a real, like regardless almost of whether there was a real experience happening yeah. or not, I perceived yeah. there to be a real experience happening that did change the arc of how I then approached the thing I was about to do yeah. which then has changed probably in some respects, like the arc of 
of my story Your life. of my life and, and probably something you're quite grateful for yeah and so i'm like grateful for that experience even though i'm much less sure about what it was mm. Mm. than i yep. used to be you know like that's such and, an and, interesting and, and, kind of place and, and to be there's that kind of like yeah again there's that kind of actual narrative of like you can't you could from a kind of like psychosocial and psychological viewpoint pull that apart and go of course yeah, very easily. I have very easily explainable <laughs> as exactly this thing, and yeah. and and knowing all of that, whether that feels authentic or not, is another is another matter. Like whether you can wholeheartedly accept that as the explanation for it. Like because there's there's things that I just can't, and I'm embarrassed about that. You know, there, there are elements of my life where I would feel like a much more respectable person if I didn't feel like there was divine activity in any of these experiences and I could just stand back and just go, well, from a psychosocial uh, viewpoint, I can explain this and uh, from, you mm-hmm. know, if we're being purely rational about this and respect me. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I am not embarrassing. I'm <laughs> not embarrassing. You, now you won't think I'm ridiculous or you yeah, won't yeah. group me with those other people who haven't yeah, reflected yeah, at yeah, all yeah, about sure. this and why do I have to be on their team? Yeah. <laughs> um, but whether you can actually convince, whether that actually, whether that expression feels authentic and compelling to you is another question. And again, yeah. Yeah. I sit in one place, I have friends who sit in other places. I'm okay with both of those things. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I don't, I also don't want to get bullied, <laughs> manipulated, and pressured out of accepting a particular interpretation of experience just because that's the easier one within the kind of, social circles that I now roll in. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, one of the other ones that came up a lot in the kind of feedback was um, the the people who have kind of had those experiences, particularly with music and felt those feelings and then gone, you know, and, you know, then left church and then gone to a Coldplay concert, which you really shouldn't be experiencing those things at. Um, <laughs> let's not get categorical. But, um, but you know, going, you know, going to some kind of, you know, musical experience or some festival or some, you know, yoga retreat or something and having those same like frisson, like bodily goosebumps and mm. feeling intimacy and feeling that stuff and then going, oh, I was told that this was just a God thing. Yeah. And now I'm here in this place that isn't referencing that and I'm experiencing the same thing, does that does that mean that it wasn't none of it was God at all? Mm-hmm. Does it mean that God is now here in this place? And then what does that mean when the people, you know, uh playing for us <laughs> aren't aren't claiming that mm-hmm. <laughs> or yeah. wanting that for us? Like what yeah. do you, what do we do yeah, with that yeah, stuff? Yeah. What do you what do you do with, you know, I mean like I I now have anxiety about particular church spaces. Like I have to go mm-hmm. occasionally, I spend a lot of time in Christian land outside my own kind of community and stuff. But like every now and again, I, I go to a, you know, once a year I go to a kind of like um, denominational meeting thing. And as soon as there's any triggers of like stuff that w- was a part of my world, I'm like, I'm out. Like I, 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 I can't, I can't sit through mm. Mm. singing and not even that I think some of it is just categorically not great um, in terms of theology but even just the the feeling of feeling the pressure for those expectations or the stuff that comes up in my body in those spaces is something that I still am absolutely not comfortable with yeah 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 um, yeah that's a complicated web isn't it uh, this 
I can feel things that I used to feel at church outside of church and not just outside of church, but actually at places where I'm not supposed to be feeling God, potentially. Um, and then also I now might be quite triggered by the experiences in the place that I was told were the places I was supposed to be experiencing God. <laughs> it's a, str- so it's like, a strange reversal. Yeah, 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 it's a strange reversal for sure. But in some um, ways there's, there's, a, there's a parallel thing happening there in that I now expect to feel God in places <laughs> outside of church because that's my view of God. Yeah. Like, so I don't, I don't feel compromised about feeling some kind of connection with others and the divine in all kinds of places because yeah. I, that's where I believe God is. And, but where I refuse <laughs> to feel pressure for that kind of connection is anywhere where I feel pressure <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because right. I don't, yeah. because I don't believe in a coercive God. I don't expect to feel bodily connection in coercive spaces. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so this, this comes back to our, to our views of God, to our views of spirituality, to our views of what faith even is and what faith looks like and the experiences of faith. You know, there are um, one of the, one of the, piece of feedback we as, as well had was um, from Tara, who shares a bit of her story about sort of that, that question of God's presence and God's absence and what that means and whether we are talking about that enough within like our Christian spaces, within our church spaces in terms of, in terms of how all of this should be expected to play out. Community has always been my experience of God, but as a youth pastor, I found as time went on with people I was working with that they were experiencing this. I had so many come and talk about this feeling of abandonment or feeling like they were missing something or something was wrong with them because they weren't experiencing God anymore or because they couldn't, like they saw other people experiencing, uh, kind of feel like I don't address things or don't process things as emotionally. So it never struck me as an issue, but I started to consider it because of the conversations I was having with people. And then it wasn't until much later down the track that I discovered that the same thing happened with me in community where I suddenly felt disconnected and abandoned. And like I, everything that I thought that I had experienced of God was no longer present for me. And then it was only probably 15 years as a Christian when I started to learn about the things like the stages of faith and um, the mystics and dark night of the soul and conversations about wilderness and, and journey. And I came to this kind of realization there's a fundamental like gap in our discipleship conversations. Even uh, at the time I was teaching a unit that was supposed to be introduction to discipleship in Bible college and looked for anything on navigating stages of faith or, um, you know, those wilderness kind of times and nothing, like there was nothing. I'd been taught nothing. I'd been handed nothing as a leader going into ministry and as a Christian, I hadn't seen it modeled well. And uh, I'm so grateful that I did kind of encounter some people who were talking about their journey. And I, I started to read more and 
and find more in that space. But I feel like we're missing a whole part of the Christian conversation in our standard church spaces, our theology or ministry education spaces, and then wonder why people are despondent and giving up when they feel like they're out of the norm by experiencing this. Yeah, and one of the things I think Tara Tara touches on is that our faith tradition is a lot richer, deeper, and broader and more open than many of us have been raised with. Um, yeah, yeah. That even even within Christianity, let alone other forms of spirituality, the the expectations around the ways in which God might be present and the ways in which God might be absent and how we interpret those experiences are all roads well trodden in our tradition. It's mm. just that most of us didn't grow up in spaces. Well, some of us didn't grow up in spaces where there was any dialogue about that. Yeah. Okay, let's talk a bit then about um, what you, you were reflecting on a few minutes ago, which is this pressure, <laughs> mm. coercion. Mm. Um, what was sort of told- oh, but before we before we do oh, yes. maybe just to mm. wrap up that last section, is just oh, to yeah, say yeah, yeah. Um, from from the kind of like neuroscience level, um, neuroscience neither affirms or denies divinity in these experiences. Like mm. neuroscience science can explain why we might be feeling particular things or the way that our body reacts to particular conditions. But it can't say whether or not it's God, <laughs> whether or not it's God. And so I feel like sometimes science as always science with it's you know people using science with agendas using it to show that religious people have these experiences and it's god and then other people using the same data to say see these kinds of people are just predisposing to thinking it's god (laughs) because their brains are mapped this way or that experience if you put someone anyone in these experiences there's a good chance that they'll feel these particular things that proves that it's not god I, I don't. I just don't think there's any proof in any of those things. I think they're just really, really helpful frameworks for explaining possibilities. Yeah, and the, and the problem comes from both directions, doesn't it? Because I think if Christians have said, or like Pentecostals in particular, that when you're experiencing God, you're experiencing God with your spirit. Yeah, you know, you're experiencing God in this way that is totally kind of mystical and indescribable. Yeah, supernatural. Yeah. Um, if that's your narrative and then neuroscience turns around and goes, well, actually what's happening is we can put someone on a scan and see that the neurotransmitters yeah. are being released at this time and that's triggering yeah. this, you know, a certain hormone is going to be released and it's going <laughs> to yeah. make your body and feel And your brain way. happens to be mapped yeah, in a way yeah. that is open to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so almost by, by saying that it's all just spiritual and supernatural, with the church is going to set itself up for being critiqued yeah. in that way. But both of those... Yeah. Both, both the argument and then the critique of it are working with the same kind of paradigm in terms of how we would expect spiritual experience to be. Yeah, and so I suppose, yeah, I, I definitely come at the conversation of, from the perspective of, okay, yeah, I, there's no way for us to prove whether it is or not. But how else would you expect an embodied human being to have an experience? Yeah, it would be yeah. through their bodies. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. like exactly. how else? How else could we have an experience other than yeah. through the bodies that are what we are? You know, yeah. and so, yeah. and and, and so, is it yeah. possible that the ordering of our brain through neuroplasticity and a bunch of other stuff and our you know patterns of relationship that have shaped shaped our physiology that that would that would have some correlation to the way that we experience these things? Mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, of course, of course. Like, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. That's good. That's good to um, reflect on. Uh, lucky we're both neuroscientists. Very, exactly. Yeah. I, I actually wear a lab coat to these people. <laughs> oh, people can't see on Zoom, but I wear I wear a lab coat to make me feel more authoritative. Look, yeah. I do have a science degree. so I'm... You actually do have a science degree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk yeah. about um, experiencing coercion and this idea of sort of being told what we're supposed to be experiencing, right? Because yep. this has come up a lot in the feedback as well, which is this yep. kind of pressure to have certain kinds of experiences. This was certainly, mm. you know, I mentioned this in my own kind of thing of the why, why isn't he falling down kind of story, right? Of the, yep. you know, and I've, I've certainly been pushed across a room. I, another church <laughs> meeting I went to where someone was pushing me. Uh, and actually, again, they were pushing kind of on my chest, I think. And because um, <laughs> when they push on the top of your head, you can kind of bend. You can bend at the waist. You can bend backwards. Yep. And so oh, there's a lot of stretch. There's, there's the foot back. Oh yep. yeah, the one foot yep. back will stop you yep. from getting pushed over. Yep. Anyway, he was he had obviously learned that if you push them more to, closer to their center of gravity, it's much harder <laughs> to kind of resist. And uh, and so I staggered backwards, but he kept chasing me across the room with his hand you know, on my chest, you know, while I while I had to sort of stagger backwards across the room. In the end, I think I'd gone five meters or so, and I was like, ah, whatever. Might as well I, just I gave him a, what's known as a courtesy courtesy <laughs> drop. Which is just, I'm going to give <laughs> them sound, what they want. Which sounds, which sounds right, way ruder than <laughs> a courtesy drop. Yeah. 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 It's, anyway, it's um, not a sexual on. position. It's just, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds very consenting. It does. It does actually. <laughs> and courteous. Um, so, so yeah, this other idea of, actually, we've got another story here. We've got one from Lauren who talks a bit about her own. Quick, um, save us, Lauren. <laughs> save, save us, Lauren. What an intro. You'd never imagine you could, you could, your, your little snippet would be introed so well. Um, <laughs> Lauren's just got a sto- story here about her kind of experience in, in, in this kind of space and that kind of expectation of a certain kind of experience. Um, I grew up in a pretty fundamentalist church where the Spirit of God was technically not alive <laughs> and died along with the death of Jesus um, is kind of what I was told and Growing up and then becoming a worship leader in my young 20s, uh, seeing the Hillsong movement and the Bethel movements really stir something in my own soul. I, I began to kind of explore the novelty of what charismatic worlds looked like. I ended up in some spaces where I was at a church or some church gathering of a sort where a woman who was really passionately speaking and and, and in a charismatic slash uh, Pentecostal setting and was praying over people at the end of her sermon, uh, every single person kind of coming through. And I didn't know what to do. They were all falling on the floor. And she was speaking through a mic and then prayed over me and took the mic away and said, now it's your time to fall on the floor. And I awkwardly fell (laughs) the hilarity of it is that it you know I I did what I was told but I felt nothing and I was told that this is what I should be feeling I thankfully though the, the thing that I recall is being able to process that afterwards with some trusted people and that was the change but I since have felt like there are so many experiences like that where I was asked to do something that I felt really uncomfortable about and wasn't given the possibility or the option to maybe think for it for myself. And I, I now no longer am in church, and I am saddened by some of those experiences where 
the trusted sense of self could not be heard and could not be felt. Um, and I mourn that. But I'm really thankful I had people to talk to about it. And I think community made all the difference in that to be able to say, hey, I felt this and it felt wrong. But also that I know that that happened over and over again for me in spaces that I really cared to practice something new or see something new. But at the same time, it made me feel like I had to just trust myself. So I think I'm learning to do that. And I actually feel that the experience of God is a felt sense of self. And I don't know how to differentiate them. And I'm thankful for that. So I hope that helps. I do love the way that Lauren is able to somehow hold together this critical reflection on her experience. But it seems with a sense of kind of kindness to self uh, as well. And so, yeah, really beautiful reflection. And also what I love about that story is just how like, how straight up the, the, the prayer in that story was, which is mm. is not like, not even pretending <laughs> like that you're, that, that you're falling over because it's like a supernatural thing. It's just like, hey, fall over now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is just like fabulous. I, I mean, I, mm. yeah, I love the way Lauren tells that story, but um. There's, there's, it can happen in really forceful ways or it can happen in really subtle ways. It can happen sort of apparently sort of almost kindly, right, and gently mm, or mm. it can happen, yeah, with real kind of potency and, and um, authority. Yeah. Um, but just all of these ways in which we're like, here's the kind of experience you're supposed to be having. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, ignore what your body is telling you or what your mind is thinking or get that all out of the way mm. and just mm. have this experience that we want you to have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess... What's worth looking at here is, a, you know, maybe just touching on why people want you to have that experience. And I think it's, it's always going to be a mixed bag. But I think, for, look, for the most part, <laughs> I think in church spaces for the most part, unless they're really, really toxic and unhealthy, that people just genuinely believe that this is what connection with God is. This is the mm-hmm. measure of it. That that mm-hmm. makes them feel really good and really connected and really loved. And they want you to have the same thing. They want you to feel connected. They want you to feel the feelings that they're having and have the experiences that they're having. Um, and I think there's a lot of that. But what gets mixed in, and I think this comes into kind of into the creep stuff that we talked about with a megachurch culture, is that when that becomes norm- the normative experience, when that becomes um, something that's supposed to happen all the time, there's this kind of proprietary prop- proprietary ownership thing that happens of going (laughs) divine experiences happen within church and because they're happening, that's why you know that you need to be here because God's here and Mm. you will want God so you'll keep coming back. So we need to keep on producing these experiences. Um, I, again, I, I, I don't really have a huge amount to do with, I mean, I'm not on, not really on Instagram. I don't have a lot to do with like church kind of social media and stuff like that. But I did definitely dip back in last year when I was trying to re-understand mega churches again. And one of the things that one of the sayings that came up again and again and again is like just how much God moves. Oh, that God yes. moved at this and God moved at that. And oh, didn't God move? And people describing these experiences of, you know, like, oh, there was that service and God really moved. And that's kind of like a tick box for the thing that was supposed to happen at that time and at that place. And that kind of being an affirmation of going like, yeah, this is the measure of success. This means that we're doing the right thing, that we managed to generate these experiences and these feelings and these 
um, things happened in the space as evidence that God is there. Um, and I think, yeah, and, and, we, and not just evidence that God is there or even evidence of success, but if that's the case, then what we're doing must be right. That's and, right. And so, in, in, you know, in some of the conversations we've had over the last year or so, the move of God is like, is a, a rebuttal to any yep. critique of yep. um, abusive people or, you know, because yep. surely God wouldn't be moving the way God is moving. Why would God move? And I think, if in fact, God there was a service, with you know, this stuff. At, at at one of the churches in question, very shortly after the um the kind of climax of resignations and so on, where someone came and, and said, you know, we feel God moving in this place, and that's essentially surely a sign that that yep. this, in fact, is the best, and you guys are the best, and yep. what's everybody talking about, you know? So yeah, God is, there was a, there was a yep. the old song, God is moving, God is moving, God is moving. Well, quick, get the you keyboard know? up. Can you yep. hear the sound of revival? Can you? Can you I hear can't. it, Shane? I cannot. Oh, you sorry. can't? <laughs> oh, not after that no, powerful rendition. There's no keys. I need keys <laughs> for me to be able to hear revival. Um, yeah, God but, is moving. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and, and, so, and, and so even within kind of like other... It's really important that people, I mean, even even the way of kind of like demonizing other spiritual experiences of like why the new age is so bad and the occult is so bad and this is so bad and that's so bad and secular music in the 90s was so bad and all this kind of stuff of going like, like if you're having parallel feelings to what you're having in here, it's really important that we tell you that that's going to lead and let demons into you because it's yeah. a really important. The only place that you can have any kind of like divine experience and encounter is in this place because yes. that builds what we're doing and yes. we need ownership of God and we need ownership of spiritual experiences so that you buy the rest of what we're selling mm, mm. <laughs> and you don't leave. If you could get this anywhere, you might stop turning up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that totally. Wouldn't, that wouldn't be very good. No, no, we can't have that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's that's so important, eh? In this, that mm. sense that yes, we are the ones who kind of it's a, it's interesting, um, like because you know in the in the in the Catholic Church, one of the things that developed f- sort of few centuries after Jesus is this idea that the priest essentially um, mediates the experience of God of the people in the church. Mm. So mm. the the priest um, is the one who administers the sacraments and the sacraments. Eucharist or confession or whatever. Mm. The sacraments are your means of of experiencing God in some kind of way. And, you know, Pentecostal charismatic Christianity has been a harsh critic of that kind yep. of yep. mediated presence. Yeah. And yet the church has developed its own version of it, really, mm. Mm. which is, yeah, we are the mediators of that experience for you. And yep. yes, you'll be able to go and have it and, you know, if you pray enough at home and you have mm. your quiet times and listen, put on mm. your worship music at, at home. Um, but there's still a, a retaining of the... Yeah, yeah. The ownership of that um, experience, you might be having, you know, your own relationship with God, but ultimately, we, yeah, where God is kind of moving and doing something with all of yeah. that is here yeah. in this place. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, what's on the line? Like, if God stops moving, like this is a bit like Absolutely. this is a bit like the church growing, right? Yeah. Where we talked about if the church can't stop growing, then you end up doing all sorts of things to yeah. make the church keep growing because you can't have a church that's stopped growing or in yeah. fact is shrinking. And it's a bit and similar when you, with God is moving. The, yeah, when you right? read the kind of post-service notes from that got, that got yeah. leaked from one particular church and the nights where it just wasn't happening and everyone got ripped into and needed to up their game and all that kind of thing shows you how anxious particular yeah. co- contexts are about making sure that we keep that level of enthusiasm, that experience, because if we go downhill, people, if people are here for that experience. If they don't get it, 
they might just go somewhere else. I remember in mm, the kind of mm. in the kind of two thousands when there was like even between I had a friend who went to um, one of the Hillsong campuses, and I remember him talking about that people kept, people were leaving one of the campuses because it was really ha- the spirit was already showing up at the other campus, and then the pastor mm. of the first campus mm. dragged a bunch of them into his office and tore strips off them and told them that you know if you want to see the anointing, then you know like you think that's what the anointing looks like, and you know submit to authority and blah, 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 blah. And they all had to come back to the first Hillsong campus where God wasn't moving quite so much and whip it into a frenzy so that God was moving as much so that people would yeah. move to the other service. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like there's a very real and tangible fear there of if we don't keep generating this experience, yeah, then what control will we have over people? Yeah. Especially if we've told yeah. them that this experience is God Mm-hmm. then if God shows up more somewhere else, and it's also, I think, what's kind of stokes competition between lots of these places. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, because they're paranoid that someone will have a better experience somewhere else. And that's God. <laughs> yes, yes. And that, yeah, so you can't have God not moving, can you? No. Not if you want it to be the place, the, the exactly. place to be. Yeah. Um, and, and you end up doing lots of weird things then to make it look, to, to, to generate those experiences, which... Again, you kind of justify yourself and, and tell you you're doing it. So because you've named those things as God, you'll do anything to have those experiences happen. Uh, and, you know, so there's a lot of talk about like building the atmosphere and like what kind yep. of atmosphere. We're trying to create an atmosphere of faith and that's why we all say, oh, wow, when the preacher says this or that's mm-hmm. why we play E minor when the preacher says, <laughs> says this at the end of their service. Yep. So this is why we yep. all um, go up the front and jump around and or whatever, you know, whatever whatever ways we are to sort of help Create the yeah. atmosphere that's going to ultimately produce the sense yeah. that God is moving, yeah. uh, and you end up, you know, you end up with people just straight up making things up. Like I've been on on a stage playing those E minor chords behind <laughs> someone doing a like a salvation altar call, which you know, like trying to get people to put their hands up to say yes, I want to become a Christian, and um, and them standing up there and saying hands are going up all across this building right now, <laughs> and I'm like I'm, I'm the only person, the other person in the room with my eyes open going. Nope, they definitely are not. Yeah, <laughs> but he would. And you've also been you've also been side of stage when the worship band is all like trying to like whack each other in the nuts, being idiots, um, and then two seconds later, you know, are on stage deep in the presence of God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, um, you know, and, and so in that case, what what that person is doing is like, okay, so no one's putting up their hands, but if I make them feel like other people mm. are putting up their hands, I'm going to generate an atmosphere where people will then yeah. be able to respond to a. Uh, you know, so all sorts of kind of techniques and tactics that start to get used to, yeah. or or it might just be the kind of oh, after the third song, it doesn't feel like it's really pumping along well enough. Here, it's so really singing. Yeah. I'm going to jump up and and kind of rev this into action. And look, I'm not saying that all of that is is terrible or bad or anything like that. It's just that there Most can become a, a, pr- a pressure around all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. To to have to generate a certain sense of experience yeah. in yeah. the room, which when you're trying to universalize experience like that, you have to ignore the effects that might have on people who aren't experiencing the same thing as you. Yes. You know, yes any kind of absolutely. trauma-informed yeah. service leadership would say, have a think about how people who have experienced trauma or who people are just experiencing something different might feel about the ways in which you universalize the expectations of this. Um, so you have to just shut those things out and go, we believe that everyone should be having the same experience and so we're going to talk about it like they should. 
and ignore what it might be doing to them. It also made me think about, um, you know, even just with Tara's comments about kind of other alternate paths and spirituality, about things like why why nature and stuff like that um, and contemplation and silence and things aren't pushed as much in these particular strains of Christianity, Pentecostal charismatic strains, um, is because they're much harder to own in a corporate space. And so <laughs> you're not going to tell people to go for bushwalks and watch sunsets if it means they're going to miss a service. <laughs> Going to miss sure, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you don't get the benefit. You don't get the benefit of that. <laughs> like, unless they can take the tithing bucket with them on their walk. <laughs> <laughs> chink, chink, chink. Yeah. So it's I've had this experience, and other people should have the same kind of experience as me, or it's that we should all be having experiences, and it's critical to the success of this. That that's the story we're telling, mm. and those are the experiences people are having, and both of those serve to isolate, marginalize or yep. sort of make feel judged or less than people who aren't having those kinds of experiences. Yeah. And yep. so you take what could be just a diversity of forms of experiencing life, mm. the divine, God, whatever language we want to talk about that, uh, and it has now become a system that is going to elevate a certain group of people within a space and then really isolate and yep. And, and sometimes traumatize another group of people in the, yeah. in the space. Yeah. And if you think about the fact that then even then you're not dealing with a neutral like sense of like, oh, some people are just going to experience it this way and some are going to experience it that way. You've got come, people coming into those spaces <laughs> yeah. that are already vulnerable or mm. traumatized mm. or feeling mm. abandoned or, um, or whatever it might be who are all incredibly sensitive for yeah. understandable and real Yep. reasons to all of that who yep. are now coming into this kind of potent environment yep. and finding that oh this is this is even this is even worse now this is a kind of a cosmic abandonment mm. um mm. yeah so i think what we're seeing here is that um this is complicated <laughs> and that all sorts <laughs> of questions come to the surface and the kind of questions that i think um we we it would be good for us to kind of wrestle our way through is how do we how do we think about this in some healthier ways that create space for diff- people's different experiences, but that but that don't generate kind of trauma and judgment and isolation as, mm. as well. Um, there are questions I think for me around how we even think about God, how we even think about God's relationship to the world and to us, mm. um, and what it is to even talk about um, how God has experienced and um, is God outside the system breaking in or is God actually within all things? And if that's the case, then how do we talk about experience? Then, you know, these are the kinds of questions mm. that, that mm. all of this makes me, who, makes who me gets, contemplate. Who gets to legitimate what ex- spiritual experiences yeah. are? Yeah, who yeah. Gets to, who gets to own and name that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so lots still to talk about. Anything else you on the top of your head that you think is going to be a helpful thing for us to talk about as we go forward? No, I th- I, yeah, I think that, I, I think that's that's the next point I guess I want to dive into is, is yeah. yeah, just beginning to narrate some of the ways in which um, God is described in this and God's agency is described in this and our agency is described in this. Mm, that yeah. um, If we think about a particular version of God and whether God is sitting outside deciding on whether to make us feel connected with them or not, mm-hmm. um, that has massive implications for yeah. our sense of acceptance and belovedness. And for me, so much of Christianity comes down to the belovedness of all. Um, that 
anything that betrays God in a way where God would just simply choose to take someone who desperately wants connection and intimacy and love and goes, well, <laughs> for these reasons, I'm not going to do that. So I'm just going to let you think that you're cosmically abandoned. Um, as That's a form of God that I think is worth, worth some scrutiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Okay. Well, we've opened a can of worms here probably. I'll see you. Ne- I'll see you next for toasty time. Oh yes, toasty time with the shifties. Yes, good. I think the, I think these two ideas are real winners. Yeah, I've got, I think so. I've got track. They're going to get the people traction. going. Mm-hmm. God, I, I feel God's uh, moving all over them right now. So <laughs> they're going to be a great success. Sure. Are. Thanks, Shane. Thank you. Nice to chat. So there you go. Uh, Shane and I opening up this conversation around experience and experiencing God, experiencing the divine and all the complexity that comes with that. Thanks as always to Reese Michelle for taking this audio and making it sound good in your ears. Until next time.